Let's join our hearts in prayer. O God, we confess that our Lord Jesus Christ is risen, risen indeed by the power of your Holy Spirit. Raise our hearts now by your same Spirit, that we may truly hear your word with faith and joy. I will be reading Psalm 146 this morning. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God all my life long. Do not put your trust in princes, in mortals, in whom there is no help. When their breath departs, they return to the earth. On that very day, their plans perish. Happy are those whose help is in the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord their God, who made heaven and earth, the sea, and all is in them, who keeps faith forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves righteousness. The Lord watches over strangers. He upholds the orphan and the widow, but the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. The Lord will reign forever, your God, O Zion, for all generations. Praise the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. So as I've been telling you, uh, for seven days, I walked in California a couple weeks ago, about 130 miles. I walked, and one of the things I learned while walking, you probably could have told me this without me walking, um, but one of the things I learned while walking is that all of life is a walk. People going from somewhere to somewhere. And as the church, one of the things we believe is that it is a walk in which 
we can learn to walk with the one who is El Camino in Spanish, the way in English. And in fact, when we open the book of Acts in the New Testament, we find the early believers were called the way because they were a people learning to walk with Jesus and become attentive to his lordship over everything. The path that he called them to go as his witnesses, the people he had them encounter with the good news, the presence and power of his spirit alive in them. Much of the book of Acts is about the church, the people of God, learning to walk the way with Jesus. And so this summer, as we walk through the days of summer, we're getting some walking lessons from Acts as we listen to some of the stories. Last week, we started with Peter's sermon on the day of Pentecost and the central claim Peter makes for the centrality of Jesus Christ in everything. The question that claim prompts, what should we do now from the people? And then these patterns, right, that the believers devoted themselves to, the apostles' teaching and fellowship and the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all through Acts, we're going to find them living into these patterns and asking that question and, and centering around Jesus. But in fact, as we turn the chapter to Acts 3, we find two of the disciples going up to practice one of these patterns. Listen to what happens as you listen carefully and well for God's word to us from the book we love. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, three o'clock in the afternoon. And a man, lame from birth, was being carried in. A people used to lay him daily at the gate of the temple called the Beautiful Gate, so that he could ask for alms from those who were going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked them for alms. Peter looked intently at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver or gold. But what I have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and his ankles were made strong. Jumping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. All the people saw him walking and praising God, and they recognized him as the one who used to sit and ask for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While he clung to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them at the portico called Solomon's Portico, utterly astonished. When Peter saw it, he addressed the people. You Israelites, why do you wonder at this? 
Why do you stare at us as though by our power or piety we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of our ancestors has glorified his servant Jesus, whom you handed over and rejected in the presence of Pilate, though he had decided to release him. But you rejected the holy and righteous one and asked to have a murderer given to you, and you killed the author of life, whom God has raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses, and by faith in his name, his name itself has made this man strong, whom you see and know, and the faith that is through Jesus has given him this perfect health in the presence of all of you. Friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Holy God, once again we come and we lay our lives open before your open word, asking that you would do what only you can in the power of your spirit, which is to make this a word for each and every one of us here, your word for us, and a way in which we hear the voice and know the presence and life of Jesus, the living word, here in our midst. We ask this together in his name. Together we say, Amen. It was um, an ordinary day for prayers at the temple. In fact, it was such an ordinary day for prayer at the temple that we aren't even told what day of the week it is. Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday. It's just one day. And Peter and John are going to participate in this pretty ordinary religious routine, afternoon prayer, three o'clock in the afternoon. Probably with a host of other people from Jerusalem, they were entering into the temple courts. It's just, it was an ordinary thing to do. Maybe John was humming a psalm that they had sung last time at prayer. <laughs> Probably Peter was thinking of something a little less pious, like what he had had for lunch. He never did like the way his mother-in-law fixed fish. I'm saying it's just an ordinary day. They're just going up to pray. And as they, as they entered into the temple, through the beautiful gate, one of the many entrances to get into the temple courts, just like there are a lot of different doors to come into this church and a lot of different spaces. There's the narthex, there's the sanctuary, there's the chancel. There are a lot of different courts at the temple. There's the outer court where everybody's welcome, even Gentiles. Then an inner court where Jewish women and men. And then a further inner where it's just Jewish men and then just priests. Um, they're just getting in one of those first gates, the beautiful gate. And they pass a pretty ordinary sight on the path. A man, whose name we don't even know, just a man, crippled from birth, is asking for money. There's nothing strange about this. People used to lay him daily at this gate so that he, probably with a bunch of other beggars, could ask people for, mother, for money. Um, 
he, because of his disability, couldn't participate in a lot of the work that other men in Israel could do. And so he had the work of helping others practice their piety. Like, y'all are religious people, you're coming into church, you should give to the poor, here I am. How convenient, right on the steps of church, please give here. It's just a normal thing for a crippled man to do. And so as Peter and John pass by, he says what he ordinarily says to everybody else passing by. Have mercy. You got some change. And I suppose, ordinarily, if Peter had had a coin in his pocket, he may have shared it. As it was, um, the, the believers had just decided to pool all their money together. So maybe that's why Peter doesn't have any money in his pockets, or maybe there's another reason, but Peter doesn't have any, any money in his pockets as he passes this man on the path. And yet he stops. And we're told that Peter looks intently at him. How often do you look at the person asking for money? And he asks the man to look at them. How often does the person asking look at you? And then Peter says something interesting. I have no silver or gold. I am not carrying what you're asking for. I do not have the reason you were carried in here, what you were carried in to collect. But, Peter says, but what I do have, what I am carrying, I give to you. And then Peter says, in the name of Jesus Christ, stand up and walk. And would you believe this man, crippled from birth, never walked a day in his life, jumped up and began to walk. Not only that, maybe you learned the song as a kid. He went walking and leaping and praising God, walking and leaping. Nobody else knows this song. <laughs> and leaping and praising God in the name of Jesus Christ. He jumped up and begins to praise God there in the temple courts. All on an ordinary day for prayer at the temple. Now, to be clear, because Acts makes this very clear, the reason the crippled man is enabled to walk on an ordinary day in the temple is not because Peter is extraordinary. He's so special. He's so holy. He was one of the original 12, so he can sort of just like... Nope. I mean, this is Peter who denied Jesus three times. This is Peter who, who, when Jesus said, come to me on the water, he sunk in the waves. Nothing extraordinary about this guy. And in fact, you heard what Peter said. Why are you looking at us? I think I could have raised my hand and said, well, I can tell you, did you see what you just did? But Peter says, hey, why are you wondering about this? Or why do you look at us as though we, by our power, by our piety, by our extraordinary abilities, have made this man to walk? We are not the main attraction here, Peter says. 
We, so to speak, did not do this. But we know the name. We know the name. We are carrying and bearing the name of the one who did. Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus of Nazareth. In the name of Jesus Christ, stand up, Peter says. By faith in his name, his name in itself has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Peter says, we know the name. We are carrying the name. By which, he doesn't mean we have the name of Jesus like a magic trick, abracadabra, Jesus. But rather, we are carrying his name in relationship. We are now in relationship by the Spirit with Jesus, whom you rejected, whom God has raised up as Lord of all. We are carrying the name of Jesus. And by faith in His name, by faith in His name, we knew that the power of Him who was raised from the dead could raise this man to walk again, even through us, even on an ordinary day for prayer at the temple. So here's the thing. I suppose you could say, Mount Horeb, it's an ordinary day for church. I mean, nothing, right? Nothing. It's Father's Day, I guess. It's my son's birthday, so that makes it kind of special. But otherwise, I mean, it's just a summer Sunday, right? Uh, you've come here at the hour of worship, 10 a.m. I know, I know it used to be 11 a.m., but now 10 is becoming the new normal, and so you're here just to do the ordinary thing that you do every Sunday. Maybe you came in here humming a hymn that you had on your mind. <laughs> or maybe you were thinking of something less pious, like what you're going to have for lunch today. But you're here. Just a normal Sunday morning. And as usual, as is ordinary, you've come carrying stuff with you. Um, some of you here or um, participating online, you've come to church carrying things that make you feel crippled. A spouse's health has taken a turn for the worse. A change has come that you really were not expecting. A friend has been distant. Work is monotonous. And it feels kind of like the, the feet have been taken out from under you, but you're here, hands out, hoping maybe you'll receive something. Like the man, hands out. Got anything for me? Come carrying. Some of us, on the other hand, are, are like carrying such joy, such excitement, such certainty about life. Everything is going well. I don't need anything. It's like you've been carried in here, in fact, on the summer breeze. Uh, some of us feel like we've got nothing, actually. Pockets like Peter. Silver and gold have I none, and I ain't got nothing else either. Nothing that I feel worthy to share. Nothing that I think I can contribute. Nothing I'm looking for. I'm actually not expecting much. But I'm here because this is just where we always go on a Sunday, ordinarily. And, and it's all so ordinary. 
I mean, it, it's not even the first or the last Sunday in June. It's just a middle Sunday in June. It's all so ordinary that sometimes I think we can come thinking all this stuff, the good, the bad, the ugly, the nothing, is all we've got. But what the gospel is opening up for us today, what the story in Acts is helping us to see, one of the things that we're being invited to realize is that if we stand in the company of Peter and John and all the saints who have gone before us, we are actually carrying something else in here. You carry the name of Jesus. You, church, have been called, commissioned, sent, to carry the name of Jesus and to bear his life into the world. You, ordinary you, on an ordinary Sunday, are called to carry the name of Jesus, the one who made the blind to see and the deaf to hear and the lame to walk and leap for joy. Carry the name of Jesus, the one who is sent by the Father in the power of the Spirit to bear the injustice and sin of the whole world and be rejected in our place, yet was raised up victorious over sin and injustice and now reigns over all. You carry his name and bear his life by faith. You carry the name of, not as a magic trick, like just insert Jesus' name here and everything will be okay. You've, you've lived long enough to know like that's not how it works. Not as a, a sort of uh, rabbit's foot, talisman. You've got the name of Jesus in your pocket, so it's your lucky charm. You carry the name of Jesus because you are in relationship with him, not metaphorically, but in actuality through the power of the Spirit. You share life with Jesus Christ the ultimate authority in heaven and on earth. Even through all the ordinary patterns that you walk through, even on an ordinary day, an ordinary Sunday. By faith. Because the life you now live is not your own, church, but you live by faith in his name. All of which means, you know, that you have something worthy to share. No matter what else you might be carrying, you have something worthy to share with the neighbor in here or that you know elsewhere who feels crippled by the circumstances of life that have come upon them. You have something worthy to share with the friend who thinks they need nothing. They've got it all themselves. You have something worthy to share with the person who thinks, I've got nothing. Pockets empty. I'm expecting nothing. You have, you have something your own soul and body need. Faith in the name of Jesus. The life and spirit of Jesus alive in you. This is why Peter can say to the crippled man, look at us. He's not saying it as if to say, hey, uh, give me some respect if you're going to ask for money. He's not saying it to say, does it look like we have money? He says it because when, when he and John show up in the temple, they are two men carrying the life and name of Jesus Christ. That's worth sharing. That's worth seeing. And so, too, that's why the church today, with all our flaws, can claim to have something to say to society. 
and to our friends, not because we cozy up with the right political powers, usually we don't and it looks pretty bad on us, not because we have all the answers, we don't, in fact we confess we don't know a lot of things, not because we have a great track record in history as the church, it's pretty mixed, we can claim to have something to say because we carry the name of Jesus, the ultimate authority in heaven and on earth. And that, that invites others to say then, well then, who is this Jesus? And suddenly a door is open. You carry the name of Jesus. Karl Barth, the Swiss theologian, put it like this. He said, there is no hearing or receiving of Christ which does not have the form of a hearing and receiving of his disciples. To look on them always means to look on him who sent them. Isn't that interesting? That's why he says, look at us. To look on them always means to look on him who sent them. To look on you means to look on him who has sent you to be gathered into church today and to go into his world, this community, as his body tomorrow. Or maybe you'd rather, you'd, you'd, you'd rather hear the way Leslie Newbegin puts it in his book, The Open Secret. Newbegin writes, If we say that the reign of God, the kingdom of God, was present in Jesus— that it was present in his living, his dying, and his risen life, we have to go on to say that in a secondary, derivative, but nonetheless real sense, the reign of God is present in the community that bears his name, lives by faith in his person and work, is anointed by his spirit, and lives through history the dying and rising of Jesus. It is a sinful community. It is, during most of its history, a weak, divided, and unsuccessful community. But because it is the community that lives by and bears witness to the risen life of the crucified Lord, it is the place where the reign of God is actually present and at work in the midst of history and where the mission of Jesus is being accomplished. As ordinary as it is, this is the place where the reign of God, the kingdom of God is present and the mission of Jesus is being accomplished because we carry his name. We bear his name. There's this um, really magnificent art piece of artwork. Uh, it's called the Isenheim Altarpiece. And it was painted by a German, I wanted to get his name right, Matthias Grunwald in the 14th century the Isenheim altarpiece. It's, it's magnificent for a lot of reasons. One of the reasons is it it's a crucifixion of Jesus, and Jesus is depicted carrying the sores that the people who were experiencing the plague in the 14th century would have had. So Jesus is, is very connected to his people. But it's also magnificent because in the picture, John the Baptist is depicted at the crucifixion. Now, that's not historically accurate because, as you know, John the Baptist was beheaded before Jesus was crucified. And yet, Grunwald puts him there carrying out his calling. The calling of John the Baptist was to carry people's attention to the Messiah, Jesus, to usher their attention to Jesus. And so, in Grunwald's painting, John is there standing next to the cross, not with hands outstretched like, listen to me, but with one bony hand pointing up to Christ. 
carrying all who would look upon the painting, the attention to Jesus. That's what we do as the church. We carry people's attention to Jesus because we carry his name and his life in community. I wonder where and through what ordinary circumstances Jesus will have you bear his name this week. I wonder what will happen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.